Okay, a couple quick logistics. Uh, we sent everyone the halfway checkpoint survey. Super helpful for us to learn more about your writing goals and hear some advice for improvements for us uh, here at Chip 30. So make sure you fill that out. Super helpful. Uh, today's badge catch-up day. So we're going to spend after this live session, get all your badges, get caught up, get ready to rock and roll for these last two weeks so you're ready to keep your ship sailing. Next live call is Tuesday. Uh, that says March 29th. We didn't update it from last time, but that's uh, my fault. It is next Tuesday. That's the next live session. And then keep an eye out for some early captain's table invites that will be hitting inboxes shortly. That's all we got. Awesome. All right. Badge leaderboard. Good stuff to the 30% who have every single badge. That is incredible. That is double last cohort. We have doubled the number of people who've claimed every badge. It's amazing. Huge shout out to this cohort. It's the most engaged one. Huge shout out to our alumni captains who've been helping everyone along the way, our alumni admirals, shipper success, all that good stuff is really coming and showing through on this performance of this cohort. So amazing stuff. And get your names, get your screenshots. The day 15 halfway checkpoint, if you're a top shipper now, you're more than likely getting on that Hall of Fame shipper board on day 30. So that's right. If you stuck with it this far, I got a good, good, good feeling that you're going to make it all the way. So keep claiming badges, keep working, keep doing all this good stuff. Good job, everyone on this page. If you're missing a badge, you might be missing a rapid fire. Stay in tune on the tracker. The tracker is going to show you all the ones that you could have claimed any given day. First 15 days are the hardest by far. Once, once you get past day 15, you feel that momentum. It's way, you feel it's so much easier to stick with the habit. It's mm -hmm. those first two weeks that are the big challenge. So yep. everyone who's made it this far, well done. Well done. All right. I think we got one more. There we go. Good stuff, everyone. Congrats, congrats to week two top shippers. If you're not on it, you got plenty of time to catch up, get today's badge, and then keep rolling. Awesome. Couple shout outs. We just, again, we love seeing these. Um, already found a niche, which is, I love when I see stuff like this, especially if you can vocalize it, but breaking 100 in golf for busy professionals. So, not just, you know, how do you break 100 in golf in general, right? It's how do you do that if you're a busy professional and you don't have time to, you know, spend you know, six hours a day on the golf course. Um, amazing. And again, the, the feeling here is everyone thinks, oh, that's too specific. But once you get specific, you start to realize, oh, this is what's attracting people's attention. So really great job. Um, stuff like this is really cool to see. You know, you write something and maybe it catches a bunch of traction on Twitter, but does nothing on LinkedIn, or it catches a bunch of traction on LinkedIn and does nothing on Twitter. I've experienced this, Dickie's experienced this. We all experience this. Sometimes things that you write just take off in different platforms. So if you're using TypeShare, that's why inside TypeShare, you can use the, the one-click republish. So you can write something and immediately put it on three different platforms, Twitter, Medium, and LinkedIn. So that way you can get some cross data on, you know, maybe certain topics are resonating better on certain platforms. So that's always something cool to measure and see. Um, this stuff, you know, I, I notice this every single cohort where people start writing and publishing and then they go, you know, out of nowhere, 
uh, all these people started telling me how much they were enjoying my writing. You know, someone would DM me, someone would come up to me at a conference, like this happened here. Um, and I think the thing that people tend to forget is the vast majority of the world is not creating. Most people are just consuming. So when you put yourself out there and you go, I'm going to share something that I created, it, you're already in the top 10%. You're already in the top 5%, right? Because 95% of the world is just consuming, not creating. So again, just more reinforcement of putting yourself out there and hitting publish really can lead to some uh, pretty cool and unexpected outcomes. And uh, I mean, this is just awesome for us to see is when people go, look, I've been trying to write online for a really long time. Uh, I've been at this for six months, a year, two years, five years, sometimes 10 years. And I've made more progress in the past month than any of that combined, you know? So we just, that was always our goal in building ship 30 is how, how could we give other people the thing that we both wish we would have had at the beginning of our digital writing journeys. So when we see stuff like this, we think it's amazing. So great job, everyone. Yep. Love seeing those wins. All right. Keeping up with the tracker and calendar. Here's where we're at. Look at that. We're close to the finish line. I mean, it's, it's in sight. It's two weeks, two weeks to go two weeks from tomorrow. You make it to day 30. There's all the badges. Make sure you claim today's consistent shipper badge. Is that consistent shipper badge? What's, what's the name of today's? Prolific? Prolific shipper, I'm pretty sure. Day 15 is a prolific shipper badge. Make sure you claim that one by commenting on today's replay with either your biggest takeaway from the first two weeks or your 15th post if you're 15 for 15. So that's how you claim this badge. And then you have a, a day or two to get caught up all the way into next week, which is kicking off uh, the final two weeks of the course. So, Cole, yeah. what do we get into today? All right. So real quick, what we're going to do is just recap everything. You know, we've thrown a lot at you. So we're going to do a quick recap of what we've gone over in the first four live sessions. And then we're going to open up the floor for some questions. Um, these are things that just for the sake of time um, and clarity, uh, we're going to focus on questions that have to do with these first four sessions. Okay. So if you're sitting there going, Hey, explain to me, you know, something that you're going to cover in week three or four, it's, it's coming. All right. So we're going to focus on questions that are related to the first four sessions, throw your questions in the chat. And when we see questions that we go, okay, Hey, this is, this is a great question. This is something everyone can benefit from. We'll bring you up. You can unmute and we'll talk it through with you for a bit. And also that's the benefit for everyone else. So first we're going to do some recap here. Again, we laid out at the very beginning Weeks one and two are all about experimentation. You know, there, there is no one right answer. Um, you don't have to have it all figured out. The whole goal is for you to just get the ship moving. And that's what you've done. And you've started creating content and you've started building your library and you've hit publish and you've probably gathered a little bit of data. Okay. And what we're going to focus on in weeks three and four is then how to dig into that data, right? What does it, what does it mean? And when you notice something working or something not working, those are both valuable signals. And so in weeks three and four, we're going to show you how to double down on the things that are working. We're going to show you how to pinpoint topics that are clearly resonating, you know, and how you can keep getting more and more specific with them. And ideally by the end, what we're going to do is kind of give you the framework of how to think about naming and claiming your own niche. 
And this is a whole rabbit hole. I mean, this is, we have an entire course dedicated to this in the captain's table. This is something that you could talk about for 20 hours and feel like you just scratched the surface. So our goal is before you go down the rabbit hole of creating your own category, let's give you the framework so you can think about what does that actually mean? And that's our goal for the end of ship 30. If you can get to there, you are leagues ahead of every other creator on the internet. And then from there, it becomes the game of continuing to double down and continuing to clarify your niche more and more into the future. The way we design Ship 30 is to pack all the fundamentals into the first two weeks. So headlines, formatting, coming up with ideas and having the mindset, we could just, and we used to just teach the course on that. It was 30 days of only that information, but now we front loaded it all into the first two weeks because- if you can just master those things, the rest takes care of itself. Then you get to play the game of coming up with your own niche and experimenting with other platforms and doubling down on other data points, then eventually, you know, creating your own products, all that good stuff. What's the thing to keep in mind is over the last two weeks, you've written 15 pieces, something around that number. For most people, that takes four or five months, right? So you've accelerated your feedback loop in such a great way and it's just worth remembering that as you think about the different paths you're going to take from here is wow i have more raw material for months years of future writing and a strong foundation of all that in just two weeks so the fact that you're on this call the fact you made it to two weeks give yourself a pat on the back because you've taken what for us was a super long slow painful year of writing and condensed it into two weeks. So you have yep. the fundamentals, you have community, you have 15 pieces. It's good stuff. So now we're going to start to build on that. Yeah. So if you remember, one of the first things that we talked about was this framework of the endless idea generator. And the whole purpose of this, again, is it's to train your brain to, to, to move beyond the, I sit down and I just come up with an idea, right? It's like the first thing that pops into my head, that's what I'm going to write about. That can work, but in order to consistently create, right? In order to be quote unquote prolific, which is, it's a funny word when people say, oh, you're so prolific. It's people take that as like, you're brilliant, but prolific people, it's not that they're just like brilliant, right? What they usually have are systems, they have tools, they have frameworks, they have things that they use over and over and over again. And so our goal with the endless idea generator is for you to not have to sit down and go, all right, it's another day, time for me to be brilliant again, right? And instead you can just go through this and go, all right, I'm starting with an idea. How do I clarify it? Who's it for? Is it actionable? Is it analytical? What's my credibility here? Is it my own credibility? Am I leveraging someone else's credibility? right? That's the whole purpose of using something like this. So our real goal here is for you to walk away from Ship 30 with a handful of these frameworks and these tools that you can use over and over and over again. The, the thing to keep in mind with this is you're not coming up with a thousand new ideas and the endless idea generator really is not even a way to say, how do I come up with a thousand new ideas? It's how do I figure out how to take one idea and extract a thousand different things from it. And so once you have started to hit on a couple pieces that work, pieces that are seeing success and then feed them back into the EIG, that's where it starts to get really powerful. 
you find an opening sentence that really resonates with people. It's, wow, what are all the different ways I can talk about just that thing, right? So the EIG is something that compounds. It's not, you use it once and then that's gonna come up with all of your ideas. It's, you use it once, you get five ideas, you go and write about those five and then you take the one that works and then you plug it back into the top and you double down on all those things. And then, you know, because that fundamental idea that you put back up top works, then everything you share on top of that is going to work as well. And then that's where it gets fun. That's where your feedback loops really start to accelerate. Yeah. And I just, just to emphasize here, a little, a little personal story before Dickie and I even started uh, working on ship 30, I kind of mentally said to myself, okay, I've been writing online for 10 years. I want to share a lot of the things that I've learned along the way. And that's what inspired me to write my book, The Art and Business of Online Writing. Um, that's what inspired Dickie and I to, to start collaborating and working together. And I had it in my head. I was like, oh, okay. I know all the things that I want to say. Uh, I'm going to commit to do, to do this for like a year. Because I think after a year, I'll have said everything that I want to say. You know, And the more that we go along, the more I realize oh, we've only just scratched the surface. And, and the endless idea generator, What and Dickie, this is kind of what you were emphasizing, is the more you write about something, the more you realize how much more you can write about it. And that's why if you notice really great writers, they're not known for like 17 different topics or industries. They're known for one idea. And they just spend 40 years finding a gazillion different ways to articulate that one idea. And that's, that's really the whole game. So a framework like this, it's, it's not how do I cross every industry and vertical and like have, have this super wide reach of a library. It's actually how do I find one lane and drill into it so much that when someone goes down my rabbit hole, they're like, no one has ever drilled as deep into this niche as you have ever. That's the goal. And that's how you dominate it. And that's where all of the super lucrative opportunities lie. So drop in the chat. Have you used the EIG? Did you read the deep dive? Did the deep dive help kind of explore, see how we use it? Have you returned to it? Has it led to more ideas, fewer ideas? Use it every day. That's good to see. The deep dive, great stuff. Glad to see all that. Cool. Yeah, so if you haven't read the deep dives yet, today's a great day to kind of dig into those. They pair with each live session. Good to revisit all that good stuff. Yep. All right, let's keep rolling. Cool. So then the next thing we talked about was headlines. And the big idea here in headlines is you have these five proven styles most headlines can be reverse engineered into a list, a story, an opinion, a question, or a framework. And the whole goal of writing a headline is not being clever. We talked about this, not being clever, but being crystal clear about who that list is for, or who that story is for, and why they should read it, right? What's the outcome? It's not enough to just go, hey, you should read this thing. It's you have to tell the reader, if you read this, X, Y, Z is going to happen in your life, right? So with headlines, this is another thing where inside the captain's table, we have a whole five or six hour long uh, course exclusively on headlines. It's 
I mean, headlines are another one of those rabbit holes where you could spend 10 years of your life doing nothing but thinking about headlines because a headline is really not just a headline. What a headline is, is, is an exercise in thinking through what is the trade? If I'm going to sit here and write something and I'm going to go to a reader and say, you should read this. What's the trade? If you're going to give me two minutes of your life, what am I going to give you? And, and so many writers that like probably the biggest change, the biggest mental change from us, uh, from a novice beginner writer moving into um, a consistent and more advanced and um, proficient writer. The biggest change is the mental state of just because I took the time to write it doesn't mean that it's valuable. And that's where a lot of writers get stuck. They go, I spent two hours writing this. Why is no one reading it? And the reader goes, I don't care if you spent two hours writing it or two days writing it or two years writing it. I don't care how much effort you put into it. What I care about is the idea. What is the trade? Is this idea worth two minutes of my life? Right? So that's why headlines are such a rabbit hole. And that's why we, we start with just step one. Don't try and be clever. Just be clear about what the value exchange is. With headlines, there's nothing better than feeling that you're not guessing when you write a headline. When you sit down and say, I am, I'm intentionally constructing this based on some kind of toolkit. And I don't, I mean, my headlines have improved dramatically the more I've been writing atomic essays recently. And it just feels so good when you put something out there first and say, wow, this almost writes itself because all I'm doing is answering the exact question that I just put in that headline. All I'm doing is delivering on the promise I created versus yep. when you have a headline that says dreams, you have no clue what it is you're actually writing and it, it becomes much more difficult. Right? You, just, you can't just wrap the bow on top. It's I start with knowing exactly what I'm going to say because you put yourself in the reader's shoes where the reader reads your headline and says, now I know what you're going to give me. So then as a writer, you just say, all I got to do is give it to him mm -hmm. and it makes it much easier. Yeah. So real quick, as a, as an audit, which one of these headline styles did you try? You know, did you deliberately sit down and go, I'm going to try a list, a story, an opinion, a question, a framework. You know, I think it's helpful to, to see a, what are people trying and B for you to become conscious over this is what I tried. Maybe it worked, maybe it didn't work, but at least, at least now you went from, I just wrote some words at the top of a page to consciously choosing, I'm going to try and write a list headline, or I'm going to try and write a story headline. Listen, opinion, opinions, some stories in there. Nice. See some people trying multiple. That's mm -hmm. great. Yeah. yeah I, I've, I've been combining, trying some lists, trying some frameworks, one of my favorites is the, where you name a framework. So I'll give an example here. I, I wrote an essay called, I just dropped it in the chat. Process dopamine, how to unlock the power of compounding in two quick hacks to make it easy. Mm. Old me would have written process dopamine. That would have been the title. And most people would have said, I don't know what that is. I'm gone. Right. Instead, I say, here's something new that you probably haven't heard of before. And here's exactly what it's going to do for you and yes. how to actually unlock it. 
right? So I remember writing that and thinking, you know, this is kind of long, but you know how many people said, why is your headline so long to that? Zero. Zero. Because it said exactly what they could expect. And the, the response was very strong because I delivered on that promise, right? So you could see, I very easily could have just said compounding or some kind of clever name. Processed dopamine is kind of clever, but when you clarify exactly what it does and how it helps you, it's just a completely different ball game. Yeah, this is the game. This is the game, clear, not clever. If you do, if you do nothing else, if all you do is strive for clear, not clever, Congrats. You're, you're now <laughs> 10 times further along than the vast majority of writers. And, and I'll share, uh, let, let's keep going. Okay. So then the next thing that we covered was formatting and formatting uh, headlines. Like we said, is the rabbit hole that you continue to practice. And it, it, it's, it's an art form in itself. Formatting is a little more cut and dry. It's like, is this readable for a reader? Yes or no. You know, how easy is this to read? And so on the, on the checklist side, it's asking yourself, you know, how can I open with certain uh, types of openers that hook people? How can I organize sections with subheads to draw the reader's eye to go, that's okay, that's what this section's about. That's what this section's about. And then how can you use the writing rhythms that we talked about, 131, 141, 151, things like that, to alternate and make the reader feel like they have these mini checkpoints, you know, how can they make it feel like as they read, their eyes are just being pulled down the page. And then on the opener side, right, we talked about how do you hook their attention? This is, this is one of the things about formatting that I think people don't think about enough is when a reader enters a new section, it's kind of like them entering a new room in your house and you got to give them a reason to be there. Otherwise, they're just going to open the door and they're going to go, ah, okay, kind of cool room. And then they're going to turn back around, right? So all of these different single sentence openers are part of formatting. They're part of you deliberately constructing an experience where the reader goes, you have my attention again. You have my attention again. You have my attention again, right? That's how you keep them engaged all the way down the page. So curious on, on the formatting side, which one of these was most, most helpful? If you had to pick one, you know, is it the openers? Is it the subheads or is it the rhythms, the, like the one, three ones that we talked about? Let us, let us know. Cause it's helpful for us too, to learn what's, <clears throat> what's most impactful for your writing. Rhythms, openers, clear openers, subheads first. So as those come in, Cole, I, let's do this. I'm going to drop two things in a, in a chat once this slows down. And it's an example of a tweet I had that led into an atomic essay. And I want to just walk through the way I thought about reusing it, the formatting, the headline, all that stuff, because I tried to put our first three, two weeks of curriculum and distill it into just two examples. So I just dropped it in the chat if you want to pull them up. Both, both of these? Yeah, pull up both of them. All right, hang on. Great. Okay. So we'll start with this one. This tweet was from April 5th and it was an idea I put out there. I was making noise. I said, I wonder if people are interested in decisions, how I make decisions, how I think through things. Right. So I put a data point out into the world 
and it got some pretty good response. There was a bunch of kind of questions that people said, oh, that's interesting. How did you come across this? How did you go about thinking about it? So I made a note and said, okay, note to self, people are interested in decision-making lenses that people actually use. So if you take, look very closely, there are three of them. What decision would the type of person I'm trying to become make? What's more difficult, whatever. Now, if you pop over to the Atomic Essay, this is the exact tweet expanded <laughs> into an Atomic Essay. So if nice. you click on it, right? So click on it just to make it bigger, Cole. The outline of the Atomic Essay was the tweet. If you look at the subheads, right? It's the exact thing. I said, people are interested in this. How do I expand on it? It's the exact same tweet, but instead I'm adding a little bit of filter, right? So now, right when you're greeted with that, where do your eyes go? To the three subheads. So it's, I make a promise in the, in the top. So now we can talk about the headline. Three mental models I actually use to make decisions instead of just reading about mental models. <laughs> That's so good. Right? So here it's a list, three mental models that I use. So I wrote it personally for me. But I twisted the knife for every reader that I knew would be interested in it by saying, instead of just reading about mental models, because my target reader was for who, when I sat down and said, who's this for? It's for people who read about mental models, but don't apply them. So Dickie, okay, this is amazing. This deserves its own deep dive. Here's, here's the one thing that I would say could be improved is... Three mental models I actually use to make decisions. Who are you? Nobody knows your credibility, mm -hmm. right? So even though, so this is a point I want to emphasize, even though Dickie's internet famous now, he's got 200,000 followers on Twitter, right? You have to operate from the mentality of, but what about all the readers who don't know who he is, right? And so if there's no credibility in the headline, Nobody knows who the I is, right? And so it's an amazing headline. Like the juxtaposition on the back of instead of just reading about mental models is incredible because it pokes at the reader of like, hey, you're kind of sitting there and just procrastinating. You know, here's the stuff you actually should be reading, right? It's amazing. But if you're going to use an I statement, either Dickie needs to add in the credibility that makes the eye worthwhile or change it to you and say three mental models you should actually be using mm. because now it's about the reader, right? So uh, this is exactly was my struggle because now this leads perfectly into the first sentence. If you read that first sentence over the last five years, I've read about thousands of mental models. Credibility, moment in time opener, strong declarative statement, right? Yeah. That was how I constructed that. So I thought about in the headline, if I had more real estate, I would have said, I've read about thousands of mental models, period. Here are three I actually use rather than just reading about them. Yes. So your point on you saying it's for the reader, if I don't have that I is, is very, very valid. And it that blew my mind just to think about, because again, we're always learning here, but I wanted to just show this as an example of, okay, I went down and said, here's my headline. My first sentence, I'm digging in the toolkit. What am I going to use? And then 
if you notice, it's very clear. One, three, one. Mm-hmm. One sentence opener, three sentences, one more sentence, three subheads, and pretty much a one, one, one or a one, three, one throughout each subhead. Yep. Right. And look at the result. My highest engaged, most liked atomic essay ever. So this was, I wanted to take everyone through the thought process of I had a data point that I put out into the world that I had no clue if people would be interested in. I said, I'm going to expand on this and I'm going to go one by one through our live sessions. Headline, idea, formatting. Boom, boom, boom. And this is how you reverse engineer it. So I thought it was a, it might be a helpful example. It's a great example. And yeah, just so to make it super conscious for everyone, this is exact, this is what Dickie and I talk about all the time. This is how we go back and forth on ideas. And our, and our goal for you is to learn how to do that with yourself, right? When you sit down and go, I want to write a headline or I want to construct this piece of writing, you should be asking yourself the questions of, okay, well, if I say I, what's my credibility? Okay, if I don't have the credibility in the headline, I need to say you because I'm speaking to the reader, right? Like these are all the things that we want you to internalize. Damn, I'm just thinking about how much was left on the table not using the headline that three that you can use that's so but, much better but dicky the great the great point is you can literally take the exact same thing and write it again and a b test it i know i know i gotta i gotta put a reminder in like three months because it twists the knife so much better at the end yep. dang it i should have ran it by you see this is why we do it folks leaving no, readers always on improving the table. right you could you could look at that and say hey i did everything right or you could say despite not using what would have been optimal, it had success, right? right? That's what we're always thinking about. Not because of, despite, always yep. improving. Yeah, just because something gets a ton of engagement, just because something goes viral, just because a book sells a million copies, that doesn't mean that it didn't leave some readers on the table. And you want to think about that. You know, think about how I could have attracted even more people. So, all right, let's open it up for Q&A. Um, any questions related to idea generation, headlines, formatting, um, Ship30 community stuff? You know, if we have documents on it, we'll, we'll point you in the right direction, but happy to chat about that. Or type share, throw questions in the chat, and then we'll, we'll pick uh, certain ones out and we'll have you come up and we can, we can chat about it. Yeah, we'll have you come up and we can jam on it a little bit. So drop your questions in. And as we go, we'll answer ones that, we're probably going to cover later what we are. So which metric is most important engagements, impressions, all that we have an analytics deep dive next Friday. That's where we're going to go through all the different analytics, all the different ways you can interpret your numbers, your metrics, using type share, all that. Yeah. Um, type share formatting for LinkedIn is something that we are currently working on. Um, the way we've, we've gotten some feedback on that of the way that it's formatting. So Sam, uh, is working on that inside TypeShare. Hopefully that'll be fixed this week. Um, but that's a newer feature. So we're still kind of working on that. Uh, how do you move from one niche to another? Cole, you want to answer that one? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. Um, we say this all the time, is that picking your niche is not a marriage decision. Um, I went through periods of my niche was like bodybuilding and fitness. 
I went through periods where my niche was writing about entrepreneurship. And right now, like 95% of what I write about is digital writing. And so the two ways of looking at it is either A, um, quit cold turkey, you know, like build up a niche. And then when you're like, "Ah, I've exhausted this and I'm no longer interested, move on. You know, the other way is looking for ways to combine the two. So Dickie and I have been talking about this a lot, actually, because, you know, Dickie, you've been saying, I want to write about other things. I want to write about digital leverage. I want to write about maybe finance. Um, I want to write about like biohacking, you know, and so finding ways to, to be honest with yourself and go, okay, look, the vast majority of the people follow me to read about X. Like most people follow Dickie right now to read about digital writing and writing tips and frameworks and things like that. So the question then is how to extend into other niches without losing the main reader. So a very easy way is Dickie might go, I obsessively track all of my health and vital signs and doing so makes me a better writer. Let me, let me show you how, right? So you're, you're, you're connecting two things. And so then every writer goes, oh, hey, if I want to be a better writer, maybe I should consider getting a chili pad for my mattress, or I should consider getting a whoop so I can track my, my sleep and my heart rate and all of those things, right? So looking for ways to keep a foot in both worlds, to, to me, has always been the most effective way. Mm. That's, that's super interesting. The idea of continuing to solve problems for the people that you've built but through a way that they don't necessarily expect. Yes. Cool. Um, LinkedIn articles. Anything? Don't do them. Don't do them, right? Don't do them. LinkedIn articles are, they're they're probably going to get deleted at some point. They have no distribution. Um, Everything that you write on LinkedIn should be a status post. Um. So Dickie, you mentioned this was your highest engaged atomic essay. Why do you still use TypeShare or atomic essays when you have higher engagement with Twitter threads? Well, I've posted this cohort. I think I'm half and half threads in atomic essays, and that is the most popular one. So half the reason I'm writing atomic essays is because of that question. People think that if you write an atomic essay, it's not going to work versus a Twitter thread. And I'm out to say that that is fundamentally not true. If you look at anyone who is consistently churning out atomic essays that are seeing success, they're writing in a way that would do far better than a Twitter thread. The medium matters with what you're actually writing. If I'm writing something where I want a lot more real estate, like I wrote something today that was 900 words, I need a Twitter thread. But I think anything 200 words, the atomic essay will have far more potential because you're asking the reader to do less. You're not asking them to scroll through a thread. They click one button and all the, re- all the things they're about to read are right there. So I think about it as a reader experience thing. If I'm writing something short that's too long for a tweet, atomic essays have the greatest chance of success. And that's what I'm proving this cohort. where. My atomic essays that are two or three quick things are, are having a lot of success because I'm not asking the reader to do a bunch of scrolling. It's boom. It's right there. It's skimmable, right? They see it, they get the value out of it and then they keep moving. Yep. 
Yeah, we talk about this a lot. The the medium itself is what everyone focuses on. You know, should I be writing LinkedIn posts or should I be writing Twitter threads or should I be writing atomic essays or should I be making Facebook posts and groups or should I be right? Just replace the medium with whatever the flavor of the month is. And the medium is not the thing that moves the needle. All of them work. LinkedIn posts work. Twitter threads work. Atomic essays work. Reddit posts work. Facebook posts work. Instagram posts work. YouTube videos work, right? They all work. So the question is not which one. The question is, what is the idea that you're putting inside the vehicle, right? That's why so much of what we talk about is like, it's that first principle. What's the trade? doesn't matter if the reader is reading a LinkedIn post or watching a YouTube video or listening to a podcast. What's the trade? I'm giving you my time and attention. What are you giving me? All right. That's what you want to spend the majority of your time thinking about. This is another uh, good question is, as we're creating and looking out for signals, do you re recommend trying to find different areas of interest? So as much as we talk about, look for what works and double down on it, Dickie and I, and I would say that most creators do this, always reserve some time for trying new things. Because you always, you never know. Like you might try something new tomorrow and go, wow, not only did I enjoy that more, but it seemed like it attracted a bunch of readership that I wasn't expecting either. So it's this balancing act of, if I think about it like percentages, I think about it like 80, 20, or even 90, 10, you know, 90% of your time should be spent doubling down on things that you have data that say work, right? You want to keep momentum flowing in a, in a productive direction. But that doesn't mean that you should stop trying things, right? Reserve 10 or 20% of your time to go, let me try and write a thread about something I've never written about before. Let me write an atomic essay that tells a personal story I've never shared, right? Because you don't know. And, and, and there's something great about not knowing. This is a great one. If we see an essay we like, could we borrow the style? So you should always be on the lookout for styles you should take that three mental model one I just wrote and replace it with three blanks and use the exact format, the exact subheads, all that, but just change the list to be three of something else. That was, that would be how my mind interpreted that. I, as a reader, am on the constant lookout for things that work, period. When I see something that works, I immediately go, how can I use that? How can I use that framework? How can I take my ideas and put them into that new vehicle, right? So whether that's templatizing, whether that's, you know, anything interesting I see people doing, I'm always like, okay, that's working. Let's start doing it, right? And the goal is to be on the cutting edge of it where people see you doing new things, right? The more times I have super successful atomic essays, other people are going to want to continue writing them, right? Mm -hmm. It's a feedback loop there. So, um just wanted to address that one as well. Yeah. Um, this question, some niches are more difficult to generate ideas using the 4A frameworks. For example, tech. Okay, so the problem is if you pick something too broad, it's really hard to know what am I supposed to do with this, right? Saying I want to write about tech is kind of like saying I want to write about life. Well, what part of life, the money part, the relationship part, the spirituality part, 
the sex part, like what, what are we talking about? Right. So you want to just not go, oh, I want to write about some big, broad thing. You want to try and ask yourself, okay, let's start with something more specific, like not just tech, but how does a startup hire or how does a fortune 500 company hire? Right. Okay. Let's start there and then go into, okay, is this actionable? Is this analytical? Is this aspirational? Is this anthropological? Right. And then you can start drilling down. But if you ever find yourself looking at the EIG and going, this doesn't work for my niche, it does. It works for everything. It, the question is not, it's like, is it not right for my niche? The question is, how do I get more specific so that this starts to reveal to me all the things that I can write about? If, is it okay if the time I spend editing, formatting, and making things readable exceeds the time actually writing? Cole, how do you answer that one? Um, I'm trying to find that one. Can you can, sorry? sorry can you read that again? Oh, oh, the time I spend editing, formatting, making the content readable exceeds the time I spend actually writing. Um, same for me. I would say if not 50-50, I spend more time on the construction of it than I do the actual writing. This is, this is another one of the ironies about writing is like really great writing is not actually about writing. Really great writing is about thinking. It's about organizing. It's about, it's like building a Jenga tower, right? Which blocks do I need to put in what order? So if you find yourself sitting there and going, look, I'm spending all this time, like formatting my piece to make it really readable, you know, see that as a positive, not a negative. That means you're increasing the, the user experience for the reader. This is a good one. What's your balance between consuming information for new ideas versus putting your ideas or frameworks into practice? I think it's a, you want to be operating from a place of creating more than you're consuming. That's the number one thing. But you should also understand that 95% of what you write about is going to be downstream of what you consume somehow. So think very carefully about your information diet. Who are you reading? Who are you listening to? Who are you following on Twitter, right? How are they putting things that spark your curiosity? And that's the way I think about it is the only time I really intentionally go seek out ideas is if I'm feeling really, really stuck. But at this point, I start revisiting things I've already written. That's usually my go-to is like, okay, if you feel stuck, it's let's go find one thing I've ever done in the past that's worked and start there. I want to, I'm, I'm noticing a couple of questions here on this and I want to see if I can find this example for people. So I, uh, I found a bunch of, um, questions about the, you know, people saying, okay, I've been focusing on writing and publishing. Uh, now, how do I focus on building my audience? Let me give some tough love here. Okay. The single best way to build your audience is to focus on publishing very high quality things. There, there is no, like the, the great misconception is like, I focus on creating content and then I go do something different to build my audience. No, 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 no. The audience is the result of creating valuable things. And the hard thing that every writer and every creator needs to confront in themselves is if your audience is not growing, 
that means you have more work to do to figure out what is valuable, right? That's the whole name of the game. And I had this is a great friend of mine and just the epitome of this, okay? People don't believe me when I say, like, it is all about the value of what you are giving other people, okay? So my buddy Matt here doesn't have a ton of followers, you know, writes a lot of stuff. It all gets, you know, one like, one like, you know, three likes, two likes, one, zero, one, right? So he could very easily sit there and go, Twitter's broken. I need to figure out how to quote unquote, build my audience. I need to do all these like kind of growth hacky things. How some, some it's, I'm not the problem, right? Something else is the problem. Okay. And then he goes and writes this thread that, that really hits insurance companies hate therapists. This was like two weeks ago and it did like 4 million views and 22,000 likes. Okay. So he has 150 straight tweets of one, like one, like one, like one, like one, like one, like 22,000 likes and 3 million views in 24 hours. What's the takeaway? The takeaway is that it is not a separate thing, right? You don't write and publish and then you'd go do this other thing where you join like a telegram group and then everyone helps you quote unquote, build your audience, right? The game is I need to figure out how to write things where the trade is worth it for the reader. That's the skill. If you want to be a writer, if you want to be a creator, that is the skill. I know how to write things that people want to pay me for with their attention. And when you do that and you do it well, the algorithm works every time, right? And so, and the, and the inverse is true. Dickie, you have 200,000 followers on Twitter now. Sometimes you write things that get like a hundred likes, which for you is a fraction of your audience, right? So that's not Twitter's broken, right? The takeaway is Dickie or me, this happens to me all the time. This happens to everyone. You sit there and you go, that wasn't valuable enough, right? That, that wasn't it. I got to try again. So I just, I wanted to share this because I've been thinking about this a lot lately where this example is such a great uh, example of like, it's not a separate thing, right? This is how the game works. And your whole focus should be on the trade, the value, not on the, how do I increase my follower count? Let's double down on this point. Cause I think it's, it's worth, worth thinking about the reason we don't call this course, build an audience course or how to grow your following is because exactly like Cole said, that is a byproduct of learning to write. You could do everything you want about growth hacky, all that. But if you're not creating things that are high quality, people are not going to follow you. Another thing is the allure of having a large following where you need to be brutally honest with yourself of if you had 50,000 followers tomorrow, would you know how to keep their attention? Would you know how to deliver value to them consistently? Or would you start writing the next day and they would all unfollow you? Like, why am I, why did I end up following this person? And so there's a reason why audience growth should be a function of how often and how much you are writing, right? Because the audience is growing with you. You couldn't operate with 200,000 followers because you'd, st- you'd, you'd start overthinking. You wouldn't know what to say. You'd judge every single thing. You probably wouldn't publish for two weeks, right? Because you'd be like, oh my God, I can't say anything. I don't know what to do. 
Another point on that is you do not need a big audience, right? Anyone telling you you need a big audience hasn't done anything except build an audience and tell other people how to build an audience, right? They've never delivered anything of substance of value that people actually want to engage with other than here's how to get more followers. And when you build an audience that's only followers, you don't have an audience, you have followers. That's a completely different thing. An audience is captive. Every time you say something to them, it's valuable versus a bunch of followers who clicked on your name and haven't thought about you since because you wrote something that went viral about you know, productivity hacks or whatever it is, mm-hmm. right? Something that didn't resonate with the reader versus there's people with one, 100, 200, 300 followers who have built a, a community around every single thing that they say they have more opportunities. They could start a full-blown business just based on that. So the idea of I need to grow my following, you need to start with what is that going to do for me? Mm-hmm. Am I saying, oh, I need a bunch of followers and then I'll do X. Then I'll start sharing my real unique insights. Then I'll launch my product. Because the original Ship 30 tweet, I had 600 followers. That's it. Like you don't magically get to 50, a hundred thousand and say, okay, now I'm going to go launch things, Mm -hmm. right? These things happen as you go. So if you're looking, staring down, it's like, okay, I'm writing. Why don't I have way more followers? You're not asking the right question. Yeah. And there's, there's a reason why we, we drill so much into this because like, this is the, this is the root of all thinking, right? Like if you don't understand that, then, then you're going to continue to be frustrated and continue to look for all of the things outside of yourself to fix the problem. Right. And, and that's not the path. That's not the right answer. So we drill this home because it's like, we act, we truly want to help you and we want you to be successful and everyone starts from zero. Right. Dickie started from zero. I started from zero. Like, and, and there's no trick. There's no, like, I did something that we're not telling you. And that's how it secretly all came together. No, it's like, you think about valuable ideas. You come up with things that are worth people's time and you do it often enough. And over a long enough time horizon where people go, Hey, wow, that person is actually really helpful for me. It's, there's no big secret, right? That's it. So again, we truly want you to be successful. So that's why we're hammering this home. The point you made Cole of how many questions are formed with how do I get more followers as the background, right? Right. When it's, should I write Twitter threads or atomic essays? It's really asking which one's going to get more likes and give me more followers. You can tell a lot by the questions people ask, right? Like if someone, if someone asks me, and again, we're, we all start somewhere. So, you know, no judgment. I, it's just, you notice, right? If someone goes, should I post at noon or 2 p.m.? That's a very different question than someone who goes, I have this idea, but do you think that if I frame it as problem first or solution first, which one will be more valuable to the reader? Those are two very different questions, right? And one question is is really saying, how do I get the result I want as quickly as possible? And the other one is saying, how do I create something that is going to help someone else the most. Which person do you think is going to be more successful over the long run? Right? So that's why like we're hammering at home as like a very first principles, like 
if you if you find yourself sitting there going, you know, should I post at noon or should I post at two? Is Twitter better or is LinkedIn better? Should I write a thread or should I write an atomic essay? Right? All of these are very incremental. I just want the outcome questions, right? The questions that we value and the questions that Dickie and I text each other about are if I, if I open with a story versus a declarative statement, which one do you think was going to be better for hooking the reader, right? Or if I, if I ask the question first in the headline and then I tease the answer, do you think that is going to be a good way of grabbing their attention, right? We're thinking about the reader. We're not thinking about our own outcome. And that's, that's the difference, okay? So again, hammering it home as like, it's if you can understand that you are going to be successful period because no because that's what no one else does everyone else just goes how do i get 10,000 followers well you can go buy them for 50 bucks just go do that boom some tough love but we put these we get these questions a lot so it's worth just hammering that that lesson home so take a few more questions have a few more minutes just as a quick preview of what's coming up. So next Tuesday, we have Twitter Threads 101. So everything we did during the first two weeks, teaching you the fundamentals, we're going to show you how to apply to writing Twitter Threads because they are a completely different ballgame. People just think, oh, Thread, viral. That's what most people think. It's a yeah. completely different art game. And for every one viral thread, there are a billion that have gone nowhere. Way mm -hmm. more than the Atomic Essay. And so learning how to do that is a skill. Then we're going to dig into analytics, which are, okay, you've written for, at that point, it'll be 22 days. How do you go and actually look for data points to double down on it? Teach you the thinking of how do I write something once and then double down on what's working? And then our mm -hmm. second to last live session is rewriting your bio. So at that point, you'll have written for 25 days. And we're going to force you to craft a bio and a niche statement that says, here's what I'm doing today. And we're going to show you how to build credibility in your bio, how to give people the language to introduce you, all of that. And then after that, it's day 30 in the celebration call where we'll give you kind of a preview of all the different paths you can take and do a little bit of a teaser on becoming known for a niche you own, which is one of our um, first modules in the zero to $1 captain's table curriculum. Yeah. It's a fun one too. That last, that last call, that graduation call is always my favorite. So if you can make it, that's what we want. So here's how you collect your badge. Um, you go to the replay video, uh, link your day 15 atomic essay or your biggest takeaway. You know, if you're not uh, caught up on essays, you just share your biggest takeaway from the first weeks of ship 30. Um, I think that's pretty much it. Everything we wanted to cover. Yeah, Dickie. Yeah, we can do a few more questions. One, Tracy, I see, I think the Ship 30 bot is throttling social post links. I don't think that does anything. It's kind of completely separate than, uh, than your own post, right? It's just going and finding the typeshare URL. So I don't think that's related um, mm -hmm. at all. What else? Any last minute ones? How do you stay intentional with your posting to drive value and maintain consistency? Just do it every day. I post something every single day. I'm going 30 for 30 this co cohort, but even in the past, 
Worst case, I have a minimum bar. I write one tweet every single day, no matter what. I write and publish one tweet every single day, and I'll probably do that for 10 years, right? Because it's, I know I can do it. I know it's never going to be that difficult, but I also know it's never going to be that easy, but it's a bar I know I can hit every single day. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think we covered a lot of these. The other thing too is again to not get not get too married on the outcome. You know, when you sit down to write, like yes, you want to you want to ask yourself how do I reach people and you know, how how do I get more views and sure, like all of those things matter, but the real thing that you're asking yourself is what's the next piece that I want to add to my library? Right? The, you you don't need the world. You don't need 8 billion people to read everything you write. All you need is a couple people to go down and down through your library and go, wow, this was like reading 10 books on this subject. Wow. This is so valuable to me. Thank you. Right. It's about the library. That's the thing you're focused on. What's one thing we're struggling with in our writing call? I'll let you go first. I'll, I'll tell you exactly what the burden of opportunity right? The more you write, the more you write. I mean, I'll speak for myself. I'm at the point where I wake up every day and I've got 80 ideas that I want to pursue and I can't, right? Dickie, I love your phrase. We, you, you can write anything, but not everything, right? That's, that's my challenge right now is I can write anything, but I can't do everything. So I have to pick, I have to be very deliberate. Yeah. I, I, think it's the same thing. I struggle with shiny objects. I want to go write about a thousand different things. And how do I take the long-term view, right? I, I'm actually writing about this right now. And every single bit of anxiety around writing or business or anything like that comes from two places. And it's short-term thinking and scarcity mindset. And so with that idea, it's, I can write I'm going to be writing for 10, 20, 30 years. So I'm going to be writing forever. So I don't have to have it all figured out right now. Mm -hmm. I can keep a long, long list of things that I'm going to get to. And on the other side, the scarcity versus abundance, I'm always going to have opportunities to write. I don't need to take every single idea as, oh my gosh, I have to double down on this because otherwise it's all going to go away. Mm -hmm. Right? So you guys just got to hear me verbally talk out tomorrow's atomic essay. So props to you on that uh, nice. for, for prompting that question. But, um, and just I, the, the last, I think one final thing to wrap up on is, so I see a couple of people asking, so, so how do we pick, right? You have too many ideas. So how do you pick for me? The biggest thing that I notice right now is like, I have a lot of ideas, but I know, I know what 90% plus people are looking for from me right now is more on digital writing. So if I wake up and I go, Hey, I've got this great idea over here in left field. It's like, come on. I already got a bunch of people sitting there saying, please, please give me more on this topic. So that for me, that's what helps me make the decision. It's like, come on, the answer's right in front of you. I already know that this is what people are looking for. So why don't I keep doubling down on that? And then, you know what? Once I've completely exhausted that five, 10 years from now, maybe I go, okay, 
Now I'll try something different. But most people struggle to even find one thing that works. So when you are fortunate enough to find one thing that works, don't take it for granted. Double down. And I'll leave you with how do you pick? You pick something to write today. Because that is going to lead to more ideas, more. uh, You put a new data point out in the world and then you just follow that path. Right. If you want to start all over and start with a new niche and put a data point out there, all that matters is you write one day and then you keep going. You don't think it's not, we say it a ton, it's not a marriage decision. Do I have to go write about mental models forever now? No. That literally, that piece right there was kind of my magnum opus on it because I've read so many mental models and was like, I can't do it anymore. Right. So I could take that and say, how did I arrive at that conclusion and write 50 pieces about my journey learning mental models and why they didn't work for me and where I wasted my time, right? I could do all that, but it's just an option and I'm not going to pursue it because I put a data point out there. It worked. I felt for internal of like, eh, this was fun, but that was what I had to say about it, right? So you're going to find that for a lot of things you go and want to start writing about. It's, I put those ideas out there, but that's pretty much all I had to say next. Yeah. I, I, I love, I love that. Um, it's not a marriage decision, but like a marriage, you have to work on it every day. That's amazing. That's exactly what we're saying, right? Is like, you got to keep hammering away at it and you never know what the, when the break, the breakout moment is going to be, but yeah, enjoy the journey. That's, that's really all we're saying here. Everyone here wants to write, right? If you want to write, you do it because you love it. If, if all of, if, if, my entire everything on the internet got wiped tomorrow. I would wake up and start at zero again. And I would love it. Yeah. Right. Cause like I enjoy writing. I don't, in, I, it's not that I enjoy seeing my audience number or my follower number tick up. That's not the thing that gives me happiness. Right. What gives me happiness is sitting down and writing and sharing it. Right. So at some point I'm going to, I, I, this is another one of my ideas that I want to do. I'm going to start over from zero. I'm going to start with a blank Twitter account and I'm going to track everything I do for 30 days. And I'm going to show it. Everyone starts from zero. It is not about the external. It's about learning how to create valuable ideas. If you do that, you'll grow. End of story. Boom. All right, gang. All right. Happy Saturday, everyone. Hope this was a good mix of mindset some some harsh advice some good advice we want everyone on this call to succeed that's what we're here for so i will see everyone on tuesday for twitter threads 101 go make sure you claim your badge and uh be ready to rock and roll for the last two weeks we're finishing strong i'm getting to 30 days let's do it all right awesome peace